This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Ever podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley. And my goodness, are we on cloud nine. We are looking back over that emphatic victory at home to Preston North End in another Lancashire derby, another one that saw the clients victorious and superior in every way. The team are also looking ahead to Watford and a chance to make history for the first time this season. I'm joined by Rich Steele and George Poole in the studio. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Gentlemen, where on earth do we start with that performance yesterday? The Clarets, unbelievable. They ran riot at Turf Moor. I, I, I'm just, I'm still on cloud nine, George. What, where do we start to unpick that Lancashire derby that very much went in Birmingham's favour? That's the thing. It's where do you start and where do you end? Because I think all three of us, uh, if we had the time, could, could speak about this all night. It was just, it, it was magic. I think I'm going to, you know, I think most of our analysis will be for the first 70 minutes of the game. Because, you know, the last 20 was an actual drop-off. I don't think we wanted to totally humiliate them. But the first 70 minutes of football was, I think, personally, the best the best performance of the season uh, from the team. I know we played really well at Huddersfield away. Uh, you know, we only won 1-0. <laughs> it's funny to say that. We only won 1-0 because we expect to score more now. Obviously, Blackburn at home, again, was probably the up there as a performance of the season. But... Against Preston, I think it was even even better than the Blackburn game, and it's it's pr- pretty sweet, isn't it? When you are uh, your two biggest and most uh, valuable performances of the season are against your two biggest rivals, so just absolutely on cloud nine, and yeah, really looking forward to uh, looking back on the game. Definitely, um, Rich, as is tends to be the case, because I'm a I'm a, a nervous fan. I I kind of pinned this one as being the one where I thought. Burnley might falter a little bit. It was a Lancashire derby. We always face tough opponents when we play Preston. And I just kind of, I didn't, I didn't think we'd lose, but I just didn't think we were going to win and match this record. Um, I think that was very much assuming that Preston would turn up. And I think it's fair to say, well, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it, really, that they, they couldn't join us? Oh, yeah, I actually fully, fully agree with what George said. I thought in terms of a complete performance, it was our best of the season. Um, well, going back, Natalie, I, th- I thought you said you was uh, nervous about West Brom, yeah. Norwich, every Coventry, game. Every Middlesbrough. Game. Do you know yeah. what? I think 
you you can stand by this in the group chat. I think Norwich's away was the only game I was a little bit tentative, just because of mm. you know like the team sheet, you know, just because of the team sheet and 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 all these rumours of you know that we was going to have to play, oh, George, yeah. you know, like George's dad in there because because <laughs> that's what the talk was, wasn't there? But yeah, I'm I just I just. You were really confident, weren't you? Yeah, yeah you just you had no nerves at all. Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't think we'd be that that dominant because you know a derby or whatnot. But literally, from I mean, there's, there there are times in certain games this season where we have started a little bit slow, and I think that's where teams do try and impose themselves on us. But then, like the last two fixtures against Norwich and and Preston, we've come out the traps really well, and you know. George said, where do we start to unpick it? So I'm going to start it, mm. um, you know, from oh. our 11th outfield player with Murich because he wasn't playing as a goalie in that game. No, he wasn't. He, he was playing as almost the third centre-half and, you know, like a sweeper. And his array of passing, it was actually, you know, it was actually mesmerising at, at times. And there is still the odd, very, very few grumblings I. I got frustrated on Tuesday just um, in the cup game where he didn't play great, but I was just walking in the corridor and I heard one fella say, oh, I'm not keen on this playing out from the back, me. And I'm just oh. like, oh my God, give it a rest. How can you, know, you not be? Oh, it's it's just absolutely fantastic. And I watched like a two-minute um, highlight reel of him of him today and you've got like Matson almost playing centre-mid receiving the ball. Um, who's just you know just been another joy to watch in the last two weeks. So yeah, for me, yeah, Murich was the catalyst, and you know if we're starting to unpick him, we're going from back to front. Yeah, what a just what a joy it was, and yeah, I was just walking off turf more, just an absolute cloud nine. Yeah, the end of the game went a little bit. I wouldn't even say flat because I quite enjoyed it. It was almost yeah. like we could cool have really, <laughs> yeah, we could have really put the foot on the gas if we wanted to, but you know we've got uh, Watford on Tuesday. And yeah, we'll just cruise to it, get subs, get players on, you know, take our main players off. And it is just, and I'd like to at some point in this pod, pod kind of bring up where we go next, maybe looking forward to next season a little bit and the difference in standard. Mm. But at the moment, it is just an absolute pleasure Enjoy to watch. And, 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 and I know you said, Natalie, you kind of don't want this season to end. And yeah, that's what it is now. You know, there's no kind of issues or anxieties around promotion or anything like that. Yeah, we still got a job to do to hopefully get even more clear of Sheffield, but we're, we're just far and away the best team in the division, just far and away in every yeah, department. Feels a little bad that we're on cheat mode, that we've got some kind of cheat code in, installed into the players, aren't we, and we're just not playing it. Yeah. Um, George, it's, it's interesting to talk about when we were talking about Murich and, and playing out from the back and just the, the standard that we're doing. Um, the Preston manager, just one of the many nonsense things that he came out with in his PR um, spin after the game yesterday when he couldn't just got, admit that he got absolutely battered by a better manager and better players. Um, he said he was he, he he told his players to exploit very risky play that we play at the back. Uh, obviously having a pop at us about playing out from the back and the keeper and things. But it whereas it maybe did at the beginning of the season, it doesn't feel risky to me anymore. I felt like we were completely in control. It It, it was, yeah, I think I'm the same way. I think I was speaking to um what a bit of mine earlier is a City fan, so he he'd watched Murich, um you know in the games he played for City and kept an eye on him when he was on loan at, and stuff, uh, you know when he was a bit younger. I knew he went to Forest and didn't didn't impress there. And he, he this City fan said to me, "Oh yeah, he's a loose cannon him," and you know what? When I when I heard that from him, I thought that's what I thought as well at the start of the season, like the first maybe six games of the season. 
we were obviously trying to implement this new passing out from the back. Whether it's, you know, the crowd was obviously a bit nervous to it as well, but I, I feel like Murich himself wasn't playing amazingly in the passing out from the back the first like, five, six games. There were really nervous moments. Maybe there were times when he should have gone long, but he went short and it, it all broke down. So, you know, it took a bit of time to get settled in. But as of this moment and over this winning streak, it's just been absolutely phenomenal and totally in control. Mm. You know, there were so many times in that game uh, yesterday where like, I think we'll touch on a bit on Preston's tactics were null and, null and void, really. But there were a couple of times where they pressed up to try to say, take the ball. Tactics? Yeah, exactly. But, so there were a couple of moments where they tried to take the ball from us and intercept that pass from Urich. But every time it was just cool, uh, cool as a cucumber, really. And um, and managed to find a pass. I think in the first half, we saw it where he would, he'd flick it left to Matson, And in the second half, we've just touched on the subs there. When Foster came on, he suddenly mm-hmm. started finding this ball right through the middle. Yeah. Um, straight, straight through the middle, from back to front. And I think um, I, I noticed this morning when I listened to, uh, to Alan Brown, uh, the PNE, the PNE captain, and he was sp- speaking about uh, the problems. And I've just brought the quote, the quote now from him. He said, their second and third goals, they're not just long balls. They sucked us in with their passing. They play short little passes and then they make it three versus three at the top end, which is difficult for defenders to play with. And this well, this bit uh, for me was like most like it really brought a smile to my face. He said it wasn't by a fluke that it was just a ball from defence to attack and they score from it. You can tell that they've worked on that to draw us in and then make it free, free, free versus free at the back. And to be honest, that just says it all. Really, it's it's not just oh we'll pass it out from the back just for the sake of doing it. It's we're going to do it with the intent of a hopefully starting an attack from the back yep. and you know working our way up the pitch, but b it will really draw in the other team and Preston were guilty to, to this in the second half. It drew them in so that we could go along and then you've got the ball straight to Teller and Barnes and it produced the, the second and third goals for us. But it's just so, it's so calculated. And in fairness to PNE, you know, we've been bagging on them a bit here. I don't know what you do to defend against that because it is just, no. it, it works so well. And and I think, you know, many fans will have like a favourite moment from yesterday. I think the one for, my favourite moment is when at one point when we were in the second half, so we were defending at the, the cricket field end, Bayer's got the ball and he does some kind of spin to get the defender away from him. He's in, he's in the six-yard box. Murich had been running to like the left-back position to go and receive the ball there. There was there was nobody in the goal at this point. Nobody in the goal. because We, we don't need anyone confident. in the goal. We're we fine. don't. We've, we've got Murich <laughs> at left-back, Bayer at centre-back. It was just so fun to watch. And uh, yeah, we're just going from strength to strength. Yeah. And I think for me, it's not just the... The play and the players and the stand, the gulf of class between the players. I think as well, what we're starting to see now is that coaches in this league can't match. They know, even well, even if they figure out what VK is going to do and how he's going to play, they've got no answer to it. They don't know what to do to stop us because he's so far in advance in terms of his tactical awareness and his plan for a game that it's just it's not a level playing field, both in terms of managerial tactics. We've all seen that picture of the Preston North End bench when the third goal went in and they just all mm. sat there completely stone faced, not knowing what to do. It's like, well, I, I know what he's doing. I just don't I don't have an answer. Um Rich, George highlighted four players in that last segment then, um, which are two partnerships that I want to particularly highlight from yesterday's game. Sticking with your back-to-front analogy, this new, very new partnership, which automatically looks incredible, uh, between Jordan Bayer and Ekdal. Um, What on earth do we do when Taylor Harwood-Bellis is fit? 
Yeah, well, listen, we'll worry about that, Eddie. <laughs> I will give my opinion on it, though, because you asked me. But Ekdal, like, Ekdal looks like he's been playing with us for for 200 games. You know, when I seen his name on the team seat against Norwich, I, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised. I think Taylor's done a valiant job this season, but he doesn't... Listen, for one, he's not a centre-half, and even when he does play left-back, you know, the type of player he is, you know, he's very direct, you know, like, you know, very... Just likes to run up and down the line. He's not a technically amazing player. And Ekdal's come in. And I don't think there's no surprise since Ekdal's come in. We've scored six and, and not conceded. You know, and look like we could have even scored more at, at times. Uh, you know, against Norwich, you know, they put us under pressure a little bit more. And, hey, look, how much did he cost? Two and a half million. And this is what people are saying about parachute payment FC and all this. But, to you know, to unearth these players is unbelievable recruitment. So, Obviously, company plays a part in that, but our scouting system and the board deserve huge amounts of credit. Yeah. And, you know, Bayer yesterday, like George was saying, there was there was another... T- where he's just so good to watch, taking the ball out, out of defence. Um, you know, and obviously, he, he slipped Teller through, and I think Teller thought, I'll try and get my mate uh, Foster his first goal, when in reality, he should have just chipped him and it had been 4 nil. You know, and Bayer would have got an unbelievable assist. So, yeah, the bat... Since Ekdal's come into me, We've gone up another level from the last few games. Yeah. And you've got one thing you've got to remember from Ekdal is he's not old, but he is a little bit older than Howard Bellis and Bayer. The experience you know, but, is there, isn't it? Yeah, you, you can tell a little bit. It's very calm and assured. You know, he just made his Sweden date. You know, he's been playing for Sweden and he's not been playing in dud friendlies. You know, he's been starting in, in, you know, the UEFA Nations League games against good opposition and obviously comes from a good stock, um, you know, from Jurgadens or whatever it's called. And there's a, been a, been a lot of high rep there and you just got to go back at it. If Howard Bellish was fit for Tuesday's game, you've got to play Ekdal and, um, and Bayer because I'm a big believer yeah, in because I'm a big believer in uh, whoever's got possession of the shirt plays and I think that's why a key reason uh, why Cork didn't start, you know, I've mm. seen a couple of people saying, you know, why is Cork not starting? He should be first name in the team sheet when he's fit. And again, you know, I've done. JBG it was amazing yesterday. We didn't miss yeah, court. You know, it's a top, the top playlist, and it's a, it's a different type of game. You know, Watford are literally offered nothing forward, so uh, you know, Cork, Cork's role maybe become less valuable. And for me, this season, a player who maybe doesn't take the headlines games after game, but Josh Cullen, game mm-hmm. over the course of a season, he, he very, very rarely misses a game. Plays ninety minutes. For me, he's just an outstanding footballer. As well as, yeah, as well as him being amazing on the ball, a ball will drop in midfield or drop in the air, and you're like, all right, Cullen's Cullen's got it. And when we um, in the last two games when we played Ipswich, we were second best uh, to the loose balls, and that's main reason is because Cullen wasn't playing. So yeah, you know, we've we've just got those partnerships all the way through the pitch now, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to you know Teller and Barnes and 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 the effect they have. And going back to what your initial point was about how you would set up against us. Literally, the only way I would think of is going like five at the back with two mm. defensive mids and having like a back, almost like a back seven. And praying for a point. Yeah, praying for a point or a set piece. Because we have to, I won't say we're over vulnerable from set pieces, but we are not quite yeah, as good. Yeah, that's, that's our Achilles heel. Well, it is, but you know, I did that start. We've conceded like one goal from a set piece. It's Sheffield United. Uh, mm. You know, we have got a lot better since then. But yes, I, I do agree, Natalie, still... We're not amazing from there. Um, but that's your literally, I was thinking, if you press us, you're just going to get killed. But like, 
at least just absolutely parking a double decker aeroplane, <laughs> whatever type bus. A double decker aeroplane, that's a new one. <laughs> no, yeah, so you, I suppose that's how you can manipulate stats, George, in it. And a third of our goals are conceded. George, George just put from set piece. But we've hardly conceded. Ignore him, it's a debut. But we've hardly con- conceded any goals, have we? No. You know, that, that's the thing. So, yeah, it's. Um, you think at some point this run's going to end because it's football and, and, and it shouldn't be this lovely. And I thought it was going to be Saturday. You know, I really like, did. Watford, yeah, I didn't, to be fair, because I'm pressing a rubbish. I'll just be honest. <laughs> well, Watford, Watford, at, at least they have got like Saar, Jal Pedro, you know, Hamza Chowdhury. They have got some better players who can produce a moment of brilliance, but yeah, we're just we're just class. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, George, that second partnership then that we want to focus on, which which uh, Rich has already mentioned, is one that I did not see coming. I really did not, and that is currently our first choice striking partnership. That is Ashley Barnes and Nathan Teller. They are so in sync. They are so great for each other. They're clearly enjoying their football, and it's producing goals. And it's turned Ashley Barnes into another version of Ashley Barnes that we've not yet seen, but he's some assist play. He's an absolute playmaker now. Yeah, it's 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 funny you say that, the one the, the thing we didn't see coming, because I think it's what I said in my post-match thing yesterday, it's, it's this partnership, didn't see it coming at all. And, you know, you guys know me, I've loved Barnes, I've, I've, I've stuck by him. So I'm going to, you know, I know Rich is on a diet, but I'm going to let him, you know, eat a bit of humble pie later and speak about Barnes. But my... My side of I didn't see this coming is Nathan Teller. Nathan Teller came to us as this winger from Southampton on loan, full of pace, you know, skills, all that, all that malarkey. He could play on the wing and really do a job. And we saw that for the first, you know, a few months of the season, like he played well. This latest incarnation, as you say, of, of Nathan Teller as this supreme striker, that's something I didn't see coming. His goals yesterday. The conviction in his shooting, yeah. You know, I thought, I thought, and alongside Rich, and I think a lot of us thought early in the season, some of his decision making at times when he got into the eighteen yard box was questionable. You know, he had all the, all the good sense in the world up until he got to the eighteen yard box, and then it may be the wrong choices here and there, and you could tell maybe this is why Southampton don't value him as a Premier League starter week in week out. But honestly, as of late, his shooting boots are on. He takes one look at the goal, hits it, and it goes into the back of the net. And there's the, the, the skills to get it. He's got all the skills to get into that position. You know, it, like the second goal yesterday when Barnes, you know, tremendous work to link up play, feed it to Teller. But he just drops that defender with that little cut back inside. And then he's got one thought on his mind, I'm going to hit this as hard as possible in the bottom corner. And he does it. So for me, the more impressive thing for me, because I've always sort of realised Barnes and saw. I think he could do a job in this company team. The more impressive thing for me is Teller. He's shooting and yeah. hit, and the way that the way that companies actually used him as a as a four four two as a second striker because earlier in the season Clever. when we were playing the Rory and Benson, they were very much wingers playing off the one up front. When Teller plays, he's the only man we do it with. When Teller plays, we almost play two up front, and it's a it's an intriguing mix of the company ball with uh, your good old fashioned four four two, which we've come to know and love. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well, for me, the Teller reincarnation has got a lot to do with the players he's got around him. You know, he's he's surrounded by friends. He's clearly enjoying his football. He's playing with a smile on his face. Um, we saw um, in the last game that Barnes is, is 
you know, he's, he's like a, a dad to these players and he's, he's clearly bringing them on. He's clearly having influence on them. And also, to me yesterday, like Ashley Barnes dislocates his hand in the third goal and delays treatment to go over and give his teammates a one-handed high five. Uh, it's just like that. That's Ashley Barnes all over again, and I just think it's it's just incredible to see. Um, we're going to move on in, in a moment, and we are going to look ahead at you know we've got another game. That's the beauty of the championship. Um, before we do that, I guess give me a very quick summary, Rich, of that game yesterday. What's what's your parting quick summary of of what we saw yesterday? Quick, I don't think you can give a quick. Uh, Try, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say now variation Ooh. because, you know, going back to what George said, listen, I'll admit it. I'll eat a little bit of humble pie in, in a sense of I thought he was done. And a lot of people will go, oh, fans make, you know, play scapegoats and whatnot. I don't, I would like to think that you two don't think I scapegoat players. I would just see, 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 you know, when Roberts wasn't playing well, or yes. when you know Barnes, Barnes was about. I'm just judging players on the performance, and I'm, you know, out, you know, and I'm not stubborn enough to then go, well, Barnes isn't that good, or you know, the the turnaround. One, the one thing with me for Barnes is he spent so long, and maybe he got so accustomed with Dyche to just trying to win fouls and fall over, and he was yeah. more obsessed with what was behind him in terms of the defender than the ball. And now he's dropping into number ten. He's running in behind, and but he but he's still got that physicality. And George made a great point. I think you've seen Teller, and I think we've worked out he's he's not an out and out winger. He's not someone who can do what Zaruri does and Benson does: hug the touchline, beat men, and cross it in. He is very much yeah. I'll I'll position myself out wide initially, and then I'll come inside and kind of play like yeah that second striker role, and you know and get my goals that way. But the variation to the game, as you know, as that, that Alan Brown quote. And the press and chat uh, captain was very, you know, uh, you know, very reasonable in his in his response. I felt is that at the start of the season it was kind of like pass, 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 and if we didn't score that yeah. way, we wasn't going to score. Now it's very much a case of yeah, we will hit it long, and it's not a long ball; it's a long pass. There is there is a difference, and we're you know, we're, and we're running in behind now. So I watched City today, and the last few times I've watched City, it's been very much tippy tappy. Where today they were hitting Haaland a little bit more and going that little bit longer. So, and you know, and we've definitely adopted that approach and it's just given us another string to our bow. Where team, and, and, and it's like that Alan Brown was saying, you sit back, you pass it around, you press them and they clip a long ball and you've got players like Teller and Zaruri and, you know, run, running, running, running in behind and Cullen picking up the, long, uh, the second ball. This has not been a quick summary, but I don't think you can... <laughs> I don't think you can just quickly sum it up because this team has got so many layers to it now. Yeah. From 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 back to front and then off the bench and we can win ugly, we can win in different ways. Um so yeah, just just to my summary is variation, we can score different goals, lots of different goals in different ways, different threats. And now we've got a real solidity and uh, a little bit of nous about us to, you know, to defend well when needed. Definitely. Um, George, final word from you. Will we ever see this again? Probably not. I think um, I'll say probably not. I, I just want I was just going to bring up the fact that Rich made a point earlier in, in our group chat where we were talking about where, where does this rank in the best teams we've ever seen. I think for me, obviously, the, the team that finished seventh is still the best team I've ever seen <laughs> just because you think the standard of division, blah, blah, blah. 
But if we compare this team to the one that won the championship in 2016 and won promotion uh, in 2013-14, for me, this is the best team in the championship I've ever watched. And it's not just the fact that we're winning games and we're, not, we're so many points clear. It's the style of football we're playing. We're, we are embarrassing teams at the time. Yesterday, I think the stat was Preston had 230 passes and we had 610. I mean, it, it, it really was men versus boys at the time. And I think Alan Brown's taken a bit of stick from some Preston fans for almost being too honest uh, in saying it was horrible to play against us yesterday. But no, it's just, it's a very special season, uh, both in terms of celebrating wins and also just enjoying the style of football. So no, uh, hopefully it never happened again because we won't be in the championship again. Uh, not for a good long time anyway. Yeah, definitely. Well, there you go. That is Team Nona Never's analysis of that absolute thrashing of Preston North End in the Lancashire Derby at Turf Moor. The Claret's victorious. And as we've all been singing for the last 24 hours, Burnley's won 10 in a row. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we move on now and next up, gosh, championship games. This is this is the beauty of this division. Um, we basically have to do back-to-back shows all the time. Not only have we just got our breath back from that game against Preston North End, but we're already looking forward to a next fixture. It is Watford at home, Valentine's Day. The love will be in the air. Eight o'clock kickoff live on Sky Sports. Now, before I ask Rich and George to, and we're going to be joined as well by Statman Dave, I might add, um, to analyse and look forward to that Watford game. I'm going to give you a quick quiz answer. Um, in ahead of that Preston game, we asked you, can you name the three Burnley players prior to this weekend who had scored at least two goals for Burnley against Preston North End in matches played at Turf Moor since the year 2000? Did either of you know this? I could name Chris Olumo. That's that's the one that obviously popped to my mind straight yeah. away. And I, I was also going to go with, I thought about Jack Cork, just I feel he loves to get a goal against Preston, but I feel like he scored one one away from home for us and one at home. So I think that Turf Moor twist uh, put paid to my chances. Good. Yeah, uh, did you I, know any more, Rich? I got you a loom on. I'm going to go Ian Moore. Yes, well done. There's one more. Oh, Robbie Blake. Joey Goodjohn. Yes, Joey Good- Robbie Blake. Oh. oh, well done. Excellent. Yes. Well, the only other correct answer that we had of this is our regular listener, David Entwistle, who contacted us on Twitter to give the same three answers. So well done. And of course, since we gave that question, we've now got a fourth name to add to that list. And that is, of course, Nathan Teller following his goal scoring exploits against Preston North End. So yeah, unlucky, David. You didn't win this time. Hey. You, should have, you should have preempted this one, David. 
<laughs> well, let's have a look then. We're going to bring in Dave Roberts from our preview show studio, who's going to set off by giving us the championship head-to-head. This is the 23rd season that Watford and Burnley have been in the same division. And other than five top-flight campaigns and two in the third tier, all of the other 16 have been in what is now classified as the championship, or second tier. We've already looked back at our past second tier away matches, so this time we're going to focus on the 15 previous second tier matches between the two teams at Turf Moor. Burnley were victorious in both of our second tier home league matches against Watford in the 1970s. The first was a comfortable 3-0 win in April 1972, in which Martin Dobson scored twice, with a goal from Frank Casper in between. And then, in December 1979, Marshall Burke scored just before half-time, and that was the only goal in a 1-0 win for the Clarets. Our pass did not cross again at this level until the 1994-95 season. In November 1994, Lee Nogan put the visitors ahead, before David Ayres equalised, after he put away the rebound when his initial shot from the penalty spot had been blocked by goalkeeper Kevin Miller. Then, in April 2001, second-half goals from Andy Payton and John Mullin sealed a 2-0 home win and Burnley chalked up another home win the following season in November 2001, when a second-minute goal from Glenn Little was the only difference between the two teams. Burnley lost the next two matches at Turf Moor, towards the end of the 2002-03 and 2003-04 seasons respectively. And in a break from the norm, one of these two matches will feature in our memory match feature later in this episode. We'll leave you to guess which one it was. Normal service was resumed in April 2005 with a 3-1 Burnley win and the Clarets went one better with a 4-1 win the following season. That was in December 2005 and included a brace for John Harley. The two sides played out a 2-2 draw in March 2008 as Robbie Blake scored two equalisers, including one in the 88th minute to earn a point. The next two matches both finished 3-2 to Burnley. In the 2008-2009 promotion season, Wade Elliott scored the winner in September 2008, and then in November 2010, it was a penalty from Graham Alexander which proved to be the winning goal. Burnley had trailed 2-1 in both of those matches. All of our last three home games against Watford at this level have been drawn. Burnley came from 2-0 down at half-time to draw 2-2 in August 2011, with goals from Keith Tracy and Charlie Austin. And in December 2012, a 10th-minute goal from the visitors by Nathaniel Chalabar was cancelled out by that man again, Charlie Austin, with a 27th-minute penalty. The last meeting at Turf Moor at this level was a frustrating goalless draw in December 2013. So to summarise, Burnley's overall home record against Watford at this level is played 15, won 8, drawn 5 and lost 2, with 32 goals for and 22 against. And you know we like to start our preview of our opponents in the studio, at least with a look at the standard of their famous fans. Now, Preston didn't do very well in our last preview show with their celebrity fans. There was a little bit of a rubbish list. I think Adam Dennett was very harsh and gave them three out of ten. 
Um, before we have a look at what list we did manage to pull together for Watford celebrity fans, do either of you know any of these off the top of your head? Well, there's the most obvious one ever, isn't it? The, of, of course. Um, yeah, I've only got Elton John myself. Yeah, yeah. He's Elton disqualified John. from the list because he's their owner and he's a, he's a former owner, is he? He's, he's got an interest in it, so he's not Bomb, technically a yeah. fan. Dave's rules, you know Dave and his rules. Can you think of any others? I'd have, I'd have, I'd have got one other, um, which will go over both of your guys' head, but a guy called Lionel Bernie, who's a cycling, I've got he's a cycling, cycling journalist, so that that'll be gone for me. But other than that, I've I haven't got, got any. Go I've on, Rich, who you got? Go on. I've got Chris Chris Stark, who is a yes. Radio One presenter. Yes, and well Stephen Stephen Finn, ex England Test cricketer. Yes, both of those on the list. Well, let's go through this one. At number one on the list, heavyweight boxer Watford born, but it does also have a soft spot for Arsenal. Is Anthony Joshua, Jerry Halliwell? He has a soft spot in the ring as well. Yeah, soft spot in the ring. Oh, gosh. <laughs> George getting straight in there. Uh, Jerry Halliwell, former Spice Girl, um, also born in Watford. She's a, a Watford fan. Um, you can tell this is a Dave Statman Roberts list, can't you? Uh, coming in third, Rich has already mentioned it, and fourth, Chris Stark and Stephen Finn. Um, number five, Brian Conley, comedian, singer, and TV presenter. And number six, Adam Levin, Leventhal, broadcaster and journalist. Uh, Rich, what are you? What are you giving Watford fans out of ten for that list? It's a good list, isn't it? I've never seen Anthony Joshua like at a Watford game or wear a Watford shirt, really. Uh, but you know, I really like you know going from a me, me, and George both like our cricket. Stephen Finn has took a few wickets in uh, when England won that you know famous tour in Australia. Um, he got dropped for the Boxing Day Test match, but anyway, we're going off track. Um, <laughs> listen, you've got even though Dave hasn't, you've got to include Elton John because he is like a super fan, isn't he? Of course you have. He's like a bigger... I don't make the rules. It. You know Stop. what Dave's Listen, like. I, you know what Dave's well, like. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's not here to defend himself live. Very true. Uh, Very true. So you've got to include Elton John. And he brought the club, saved them from the brink. Got him. So uh, if I'm including El- Elton John, and I love Elton John, uh, you me know, too. I'm a big fan of his music. I'm going to go nine out of ten. Because Anthony Joshua, for me, is not a proper fan. Because El- 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 Elton John is just a legend, in it? He is like... Ooh. A historic figure, like, and you've got a Spice like, Girl in there for God's sake. Yeah, but she's married to uh, that Christian Arn, who's a she, yes, but she's still a Spice Girl, and she's the Spice yeah, Girl. Yeah, I do she? like this. I do. I do. I don't mind a bit of the Spice Girls, Love you know. Viva Forever. Oh, Viva Forever! I love that song. Uh, George, yeah. what are you giving them? <laughs> I tend to agree with Rich on this one, um, Dave. I'm sorry, but don't go breaking my heart. Elton's in <laughs> seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Well, I'm going to split you in the middle then and moderate this score and give them eight out of ten. Um, and we have spent a disproportionate amount of time and energy on that section. But well done, Watford fans. You get eight out of ten for your celebrity stats. Um, handing back over to Dave then in the studio and he's going to give us his memory match. Although we usually tend to try and select a Burnley win for our memory match, there was one past meeting at Turf Moor from April 2003 which was so bizarre that we've decided to look back at it as our memory match, despite the result. Although the first 12 minutes of the match were goalless, the visitors took the lead through Wayne Brown in the 13th minute. Within two minutes, it was level again at 1-1, as Gareth Taylor scored with the header, but just one minute after that, Micah Hyde put Watford into a 2-1 lead. 
A Neil Cox header made it 3-1 to the visitors after 26 minutes and Michael Chopra scored his first of the match to make it 4-1 to the Hornets after 29 minutes. Remarkably, two more headed goals, firstly from captain Steve Davis in the 35th minute and another header from Gareth Taylor in the 39th minute reduced the deficit to just one before Michael Chopra scored his second and Watford's fifth in the 40th minute. There was even time for Gareth Taylor to score again with his foot this time, just before the break to complete his hat-trick. This match was almost 20 years ago and took place in an era before the big screens at Turf Moor. And in those days most fans didn't have phones with access to the internet, which was still in its infancy. So when the teams went in at half-time, we had to rely on the few fans who had radios with them to confirm that the score really was 5-4 to the visitors as frankly by that stage, most of us had lost count and weren't entirely sure of the score. The truly bizarre thing about the first half was that Burnley's Gareth Taylor trudged off the pitch at the break, having scored a first-half hat-trick, but was dejected as his team was still losing. We'd seen nine goals in the first 45 minutes, and despite conceding five times in the first period, we were still in the game. However, there was to be no way back, as Michael Chopra completed his hat-trick, with another goal after 61 minutes to make it 6-4, and just before the end, he scored again his fourth to make the final scoreline, Burnley 4, Watford 7. It truly was a very odd game of football, but later the same month it happened again, and Burnley conceded another 7 in an even worse 7-2 home defeat to Sheffield Wednesday. However, aside from a rampant Manchester City side in 2010, who scored six times, Thankfully, no other visiting team has come close to scoring seven at Turf Moor since April 2003. And before we go any further, we are going to hand over to our Watford fans. We have got Do Not Scratch Your Eyes Out podcast, who are fabulous Watford fans, and they've given us their thoughts ahead of the game. So, for anyone looking from the outside, Watford looks like chaos reigning for the last 10 or 12 years since the Bozzos bought the club. In some way, they would be right. In other ways, and in better times, they have been wrong. Sean Dyche was the first manager to lose his job under the Bozzos simply as he was not their man. But since then, we have rarely had a manager or head coach last a season. The theory is that if a manager does well, he'll get poached by a bigger club. And if he doesn't, then the club want to get shot of him as quickly and painlessly as possible. So whilst the headlines concentrated on telling the world that we were bad at firing managers, the truth of the matter is we were awful at hiring them. We were world class at sacking them. Anyway, our season saw us start off with the now Luton Town manager, Rob Edwards, and a suggestion from the club that we would be looking to change the culture and recruiting for the longer term and supporting the manager slash head coach or whatever we wanted to call him. The board failed to provide anything like a coherent or balanced squad for Edwards. Two wins, including a home win against the Clarets and a draw from our first three games were as good as it got. Ten league games in and Rob Edwards was relieved of his duties and we brought in Slaven Bilic. Again, a few games have been encouraging, beating Luton 4-0 at our place being the main one. But the problems still remained. A squad with very little in the way of coherence and performances that were listless, directionless and with any good moments looking and appearing spontaneous 
rather than planned. A ludicrous injury list. At one point, we got up to 16 players being unavailable at one point. It's starting to be recovered from now. And with the appointment of former Eintracht Frankfurt uh, sporting director Ben Manga as our technical director and a new head of scouting, Helen Acosta, it looks like the chaos might start to calm down. So in the in the window, two good centre-backs have been recruited in uh, Porteus and Hoot after many seasons long, kind of lack of defensive recruitment uh, of any strength. Going forward, we have some excellent players, but are still, as of Saturday, less than the sum of our parts. Ishmael Assar, he still excites, but only for about 90 seconds a game. And the likes of Ken Semmer and Keenan Davis have been caught up with injuries, as has the crown jewel from from our point of view, young Brazilian Yao Pedro, who's surely destined for higher things. Our midfield is still unable to dominate to such an extent that the fans are quite polarised at the moment as to whether or not we should be keeping Bilic in charge or roll the dice again. A lot of questions are there about whether or not, because we've lived with this culture for 10 years, if it goes wrong fans now call for the head of the manager rather than kind of trying to stick with him. It really is a question at the the heart of the culture of Watford. The irony is that for so long, our strength was that we would look at clubs like Burnley under Deitch and say, well, what happens when he goes? Company has shown that you can change your manager less often and to far more telling and beneficial effect. Currently, we're drawing games against teams who drop deep, physically intimidate and then hit us on the break. The game at Turf Moor will be interesting as we perform better against footballing teams who look to kind of outplay us. But most people at Vicarage Road will be very, very happy to take a draw, but very few probably expect it. We're probably all thinking Burnley are going to turn up and do what they do and get a 12th home win. news for you then for all of you who like to know who's going to be in the middle of the park another Lancashire based official Lee Dorte of Freckleton will have the whistle for the match at Turf Moor this Tuesday evening this will I be the him. third you do know him do you oh mm, I do have a word I coached I coached no. with him really I did Amazing. I did and he was he was the ref at Rotherham who everyone uh, criticised for his lack of um, but he had it on 10 minutes no he's a really nice guy actually but we'll, we'll see how he gets He's got Look to be better than that mom we had on oh Saturday. Jesus, wet. Who, he, you know, he actually completed more passes oh, than I think the midfield uh, of Preston's. Get out of the I way. I mind refs getting the odd, you know, a few decisions wrong, but he just didn't have an understanding of, like, we broke in that second half. Obafemi was, like, clean through, and he just blew up twine. He even tried to retake a quick free kick that he got given. Oh, God, he yeah, frustrated terrible. me. Terrible. Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, moving back on to referees. Yes, he's going to be taking, Lee Dorty is going to be taking his third Burnley match this season. The other two were both Burnley wins, both at Turf Moor, one of which Rich has already mentioned, which is that 3-2 home win over Rotherham. And the other one is a 2-0 home win over New- Millwall at the end of August. Now, he should at least be credited for adding a reasonable amount of time on at the end of the Rotherham match with Burnley managing to score twice to come from behind and win in the 10 added minutes. Looking ahead to the game then, we are, of course, 10 wins on the bounce, scoring 27 consecutive games, flying high at the top of the league. Watford come to Turf Moor on Tuesday night, a much tougher opposition than some of the teams in the Championship that we've met. Still got expectations and hopes themselves to get a playoff place. They've got some strong players in their squad who can create moments of magic, as Rich said earlier, who can uh, cause us problems but we haven't yet lost at home. Rich, bearing all of that in mind, what are you expecting from Tuesday's game? 
Yeah, so I'm expecting it to be tougher, but I still think we'll win. Um, not that I'm, I'm very very confident we'll we'll win from. When when you look at the squads on pre-season, you felt Watford would have been right up there, but they seem a team of individuals to me. It doesn't help. I've, listen, they've had two managers this season. I think I'm correct in Rob Edwards and Billich, which is normally which is quite good for Watford, actually. And like I said, you know they are a team which can hurt you. They've got some outstanding players. I think Sars obviously a very good player, uh, but there is a reason why somebody's still not really gone full throttling to get him possibly. Jal Pedro's just come back from injury. Um, I've heard they, they signed a lad called Ryan Porteous from Hibs, who, who by all accounts has played very well the last since he's made his debut. So it will be more challenging. Um, I think defensively we'll have to be on it a little bit more. But yeah, you just like you said at Turf Moor, we're just we're just so good. And I think the difference is between us and Watford is we're, we've got great individuals, but those individuals buy into a team and buy into a process yeah. and. They're together where I still see Watford as, and I think they've been this for a, a while, individuals that just make up a team. And, you know, looking at the squad, they shouldn't be, what are they, 20-plus points behind us, but they are. And George made a point before in, in the chat. Where, obviously, they beat us uh, 1-0. I think that was the last game, league game we didn't score in. and But we're a completely, completely different outfit then. And let's be honest, that, that night... We was unlucky to lose the game. You know, yeah. like you look at that. Second half, we battered him. Yeah, when you look at the team that night, Bastian and Costello were starting on the wings, and McNally was coming oh, on as a yeah. utility striker. And where we are now, it is a, you know, we're, we're just a completely different, well, completely different entity as a team. So, you know, listen, you always have those slight concerns, don't you? But I just think it'll be the same again. We'll just get into our pattern of play, start knocking it about, mixing it up, and yeah, I'm just expecting another enjoyable evening, to be honest. And like you said, Natalie, love will, love will be in the air. Oh, love will be in the air. Um, not, 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 not in the steel household because she's getting left. But anyway, she'll have to call, won't, won't, well, won't she? It, it, is in, it is in the Bromley household, but mainly because I'm dragging mine along with him. It's quite a, a very quick, hilarious story. The very first Valentine's Day that uh, me and Mr. Bromley ever had, a long time ago now, uh, was delayed by 24 hours because on the Tuesday night Burnley were at home to Wolves and I wasn't available for Valentine's Day. Um, not a big fan of it anyway, but that's that's another story. We digress. George, um, that pattern that jo- uh, the Rich sorry, was talking about then about finding our stride and just following the blueprint, we've seen this a lot this season and that pattern is very much calm, possession-based football in the first half. We don't go for the kill. If we score a goal, great. If we can score a second goal, fine. But even on even on Saturday against Preston, when they were there for the taking, we'd still only scored one. We'd never really turned the screw because we are passing the ball around, making the opposition run around, tiring them out mentally and physically. And then we move into second gear and we go for the kill in the second half. That's not going to be as straightforward against Watford. We've already talked about that. And I think probably the biggest change that we'll have to make on Tuesday is tightening up a little bit in defence. I don't think we could have been having Murich playing in midfield against Watford, surely? I guess we'll just have to see. I feel like a lot of Watford's game is more naturally suited to a counter-attacking attacking style play. So I think it's something we'll have to keep in mind. You know, I think uh, at the weekend against Preston, I think it was most obvious when we had a, an attacking corner. And I noticed when we were attacking the cricket field end, Preston didn't even have any any a, a single player outside of, no. out, outside of their box defending, which meant 
we as a team had Murich stood on their side of the centre circle um, and Matson was floating on the edge of the box ready to you know, shoot up, to pick up a chance. That won't be the same against Watford. They'll be set up to uh, counter. You know, like we said, they've got this Pedro, they've got Saar. They've got fast players that could theoretically hurt us on the break. Um, but I think it'd be, I think it'd be an interesting test. I think it'll be a kind of game where you where you say rightly that we turn the screw in the second half and hopefully we'll have tied them in the first half. Because I thought the same going into Preston. To be fair, I feel like it'd be a game where it'll be a tight affair, nil nil half time, second half. We just we can turn on the afterburners and it'll be two nil towards in the end. But it's a really interesting game for me. Um, Watford are the only team this season to have stopped us from scoring. And we can talk about we were unlucky, oh, yeah. we had a worse team. They stopped us from scoring at the end of the day. So since then, we've gone 27 games scoring every game. It won't be easy on Tuesday. Watford are a good side and they've not won in the last four. So they've got something to, they've really got to uh, turn up on Tuesday. So it all makes for what should be an interesting game. And I'm saying interesting because I have all confidence that we'll win. So it's not interesting in a, oh, we'll lose. Like, we'll still win, but it'll be quite an interesting game. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, Rich, from a central midfield perspective, is this the game that you bring Jack Cork in? Are you sticking to your guns that he who has the shirt is his to lose and do you start with Good Munson? I think the only issue with, with, with JBG is can he play... You know, can he can he play two? I don't think he played ninety minutes, but can he start two games in like in kind of like three days? And as you know, as good as a Gummanson was, I don't. You know, he didn't put a massive kind of like shift in. I wouldn't say did he really? He wasn't like running up and down box to box. So, me personally, if Gummanson's kind of like fine, I'd, I'd be happy to play the same team. But this is the great thing, isn't it, Natalie? You know, if Court does come back in, you know, for maybe a little bit more solidity, like George says on the counter attack and whatnot. One thing I have enjoyed with Cot not being in the team is kind of watching Brownell play a bit more of, yes. of that like, number eight role. I think Brownell lost his way a little bit playing number 10. He was still very effective breaking up the play and stuff. But you can really you can really see where he's playing now. He's a lot more comfortable to me. And I think you started to see the best of him again. He was getting goals at the start of the season. But in my opinion, I'll probably be proven wrong if he plays number 10 on Tuesday. I don't think he's quite technically good enough in and around those tight spaces where Gunmanson can take the ball in tight areas and not lose it. And he's he's a bit he's a bit more of an intelligent footballer in those situations for me. Uh, but Brownell offers you a, a kind of a different role in that number ten. But you know, listen, if Jack Cork comes in midfield, is anyone going to complain because he's such no. a top top player? No. Um, but I think Barnes will be fine. I don't think he dislocated his hand. I think he'd really be struggling. I think it was more his finger, wasn't it? Oh, was it his uh, finger? Oh, OK, yeah, fine. I think if he yeah. dislocated his hand, I definitely don't think he'd be playing because that'd be a... Yeah. I don't, that'd be very, very bad. Um, so I think, Is that yeah, even possible? I, I think I might have made that up. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm creating medical problems. This is what happens um, on the show. <laughs> yeah, obviously your fingers are easy to dislocate. But, um, yeah, um, I, I think unless there's an injury... That happens between now and then where plays pulled same, up. Same. I think that's I think that's the only question, isn't it? Is does kind of Cork come in for Gunmanson? Yeah, I still don't think Twine's quite ready yet. As you know, as much as you know, I I like him and, and how I enjoyed mm, him scoring too. that free kick. I don't think he's quite ready maybe yet for starting birth, and I don't think Obafemi will start or Foster will start yet. So yeah, I think it's between Twine or Gunmanson. Uh, sorry, Cork or Gunmanson. Yeah. 
And I think it just depends how Gunmanson kind of like pulls up, doesn't it? Maybe that was the plan to start Gunmanson Saturday Cork on Tuesday with a bit of forward thinking. Oh. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm playing maybe too much 3D VK, you know, Guardiola type chess stuff. <laughs> uh, and why know, not? But yeah. Who would have thought we'd be saying that? Uh, George, yeah. you want to give me a quick score prediction then, please? You know, Absolutely. Like I say, like, uh, sorry, I was just rushing, you see, then, just to uh, go and look at our team from when we played Watford away, because I, it, I'd made a mental Ooh, note that we didn't have Cork. We didn't have Cork that game. I remember at the time I was thinking it, he was on the bench and, and he was just coming back from a slight injury, I believe, at the time, if I got okay. it right. And I remember at the time thinking... And a lot of people are saying that's what happens when Cork doesn't play. And um, yeah, so I, I really do rich buy into that thinking that Cork, yeah, he was back for Saturday, but let's play Goodman soon with the freedom of, we can play Brownell a bit deeper. He's not as good yes, defensively as I Cork, agree. but we'll have the freedom. So yeah. We, I, did, I, I, we I, did also start Bastion, who I'm going to start nicknaming Casper because he just goes around and floats about when he plays. Ooh, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't mind Sammy B, but... Yeah, Sammy B. Sammy B. So just a yeah, he's all right, isn't he, Sammy? But yeah, I know what you mean. A squad George. player. He's not a starter. If I was to put my ten p on it, uh, which I've not got at the moment, thanks to this government. Uh, if I because I've not because I've not I've not got loads of money, but if I was going to put a little bit of a ten p on, I would go Cork will start, and I think okay. I'm with you, George, in that camp. Right. Well, yeah. since since the mic's back with you, Rich, do you want to give me your score prediction? Then we'll go back to George. Sorry, George, I interrupt. Yeah. I don't know. I've lost all control of this show. It's fine. I love it. I love it. Go on. What's two your score nil, prediction? Comfortable. Comfortable. Two, comfortable. Two, two nil. nil. George. And um, two two nil for me. I feel like um, the gods are going to be with us in that. Ashley Barnes is going to get a well deserved goal on Tuesday. He should have got one at, against Preston, but the keeper made a good save. So mm. Barnes to score and um, also Zorori to score because I thought he played really well against yes. Preston as well. Excellent. Um, your Brommers bankers for this Watford game. Victorious for the second time this season. Brommers bankers be like buses. Um, and again, very quick thank you to our good friend Andrew Blythe, who has been putting his free bet on Brommers bankers this season. And all proceeds, all of his winnings have been donating to Burnley FC Community Kitchen, the food bank. So Andrew, it's an incredibly generous gesture. And we're really, really, really grateful. Um if you do want to do the same, please gamble responsibly. Please use free bets where you can. Um, and if not, don't bet at all because I very rarely get these right. Don't be lulled into a false sense of security because I've got two. But your Brahma's Bankers for this week is 2-1 to the Clarets. I think that Watford will score. Um, and I think it'll be a much tighter game than we used to. So I'm going to go 2-1. Um, before we finish off then we are going to give you Dave Statman Roberts a miscellaneous stat of the week um, he's been with us um, in the uh, previous studio this week to give us this little nugget here we are listeners here is this week's stat of the week Saturday's victory over Preston North End was Burnley's 20th league win of the current campaign with 8 draws and just 2 defeats in the 30 championship matches so far this season. The club record of 26 wins in a league campaign, which was set in the championship promotion season of 2013-14, and then equaled in our championship title winning season of 15-16, must surely be yet another record-breaking records. Um, that's in the sight of Vincent Company anyway. It's, it's got to be breaking records for fun at the moment, essentially. 
It's going to require just seven more wins from the remaining 16 league games to add yet another record to this incredible current chapter in the history of Burnley Football Club. There we go. Who knows? Well, I'm going to leave you with a quiz question. Um, oh, George thinks we're going to win 13 out of those 16 games. That's a bold prediction, George. I'm, I'm going to I think we'll win all of them. them. Oh, good Lord, good grief. <laughs> Listeners, we're, we're just getting ahead of ourselves on the show. Why not? Let me leave you with a quiz question before we go, listeners. Um, after winning the reverse fixture 1-0 at Vicarage Road, Watford have had an opportunity to become the first team to do the league double over Burnley this season. Sheffield United, who won 5-2 at Bramall Lane, are the only other team who could potentially manage this feat this season. What do we want to know? We want to know, can you name the only team to do the league double over Burnley in either of our two previous championship promotion seasons, which is 2013, 14 and 2015, 16. Listeners, you can tweet us your answers. You can leave a comment on your Facebook page, on our Facebook page. Don't put it on your own. I probably won't see it. Um, or you can email us at previewshow at nonanever.net and we will give you the answers ahead of the Luton game. That is all we've got time for. We have previewed the Watford game. We have looked um, back at that fantastic victory against Preston North End. And we are looking forward to breaking records left, right and centre. Thank you to everybody who has contributed to making this episode. We will be back next week with a look ahead to Luton and we'll discuss basically what happened away at, at home to Watford on Valentine's Day. Take care of yourselves in the meantime. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.